I don't just stir the pot, sometimes I eat it. <laughs> Almost never. Okay, here I go. It's happening. It's happening. And here it comes. Brace yourself. Hold on. You can't ruffle this turkey's feathers unless you invite me to Bryn's giving. <laughs> totally worth it. Totally worth the lead up, you guys. It's Andy's girls. Damn you for making me watch the last 10 minutes of that. I just cried. I wept. I would call it weeping. Well, I have to say, listen, we're back. We're sassier than ever. Yes, you welcome. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that cackle. That I'm oh ready to get into it. I know. Just a couple of cackle and hags here to have a good time. Um, Listen, you know her as a content creator whose Instagram bio says it all. If Dateline and SportsCenter had a Bravo baby, welcome back to Andy's Girls, your home away from home. Bravo, bravo, ducking bravo. How are we? You just wept. We've both taken naps today. I mean. Well, I didn't so much nap. I tried to nap. But anyway, um, yeah, that was an emotional episode to me of of the new Roni. And yeah. I thought it was a really good one. One of my pet peeves is when you see somebody's getting emotional, but you keep pushing them anyway. Mm. And so it bothered me. The end of the episode bothered me. I'm like, give her a minute. Like, this is a sensitive subject for her because what I was going to say about, you know, Brynn, the little notes that I had written is, you know, from, from the jump, from the first episode to this, which is now episode three or four, I think, she is a bright light. She comes in the room and she she is a joy maker. Like she brings happiness where she goes. And sometimes what I had forgotten, the second part of that is when I meet people like that in real life, those people can be people who come from a place where they are overcoming sadness almost on a daily basis. And so for them, they are they're giving and they are in the positivity because the alternative is a dark place can be a dark place. So a lot of the people that I know who um, are like that are people who have known what it's like to be unhappy. And so they appreciate things and they enjoy being in a, in a lighter, happier atmosphere and creating that for others. I think I'm one of those people, uh, obviously having very different circumstances than Bryn. So I watched that episode really being appreciative for the family structure that I had. But, you know, having gone through some like fucking serious shit, yeah, you can make the argument. And obviously everyone's different and I have no idea what's behind, uh, you know, the mechanics of how Bryn's personality might have been informed by trauma that she experienced as a child um, and continuing to as an adult as someone who's seemingly looking for a family structure she did not have in the ways that she wanted when she was younger. And like, yeah, that can be informed by, you know, wanting to make the world a better place. But often it's like a, an anxiety mechanism. It's like either you're making things light because maybe you grew up in a way where the flip side is like bad things will happen if there's <laughs> darkness where it's like yeah, true. Where, I, where it's like for me personally, I'm I'm like oftentimes one step ahead of trying to make sure that there's like no, you know, other stuff happening, shall we say. We're not going to go more into it than that. But, you know, that can be a part of it. It's like, sure, making the world lighter and more like colorful and fun 
could be something. But oftentimes with people who've experienced childhood trauma, it's like there's a lot of other stuff there where it's you're trying to create an environment that feels safer than the one that you might have grown up in. So like, God bless, like the chicken soup for the soul doesn't mean it's not wrong of like wanting to have stuff that you didn't have as a kid and being thankful for, you know, having a bubbly personality potentially with Bryn. I'm sure that's a part of it. But also there's other stuff there, which is why when we were about to start recording and you were like, and I was like, you watch New York, right? Because we had like a, a conversation prior and you were like, yeah, yeah, just not the last 10 minutes, but you can tell me what happened. I And, and sometimes that could be fine because like there are if it's a non if it's a non-starter kind of episode and we're talking about something else no problem but not this week of New York you needed to mm-hmm. watch the last 10 minutes and I'm so thankful that you did because sometimes they they give you like you know nonsense fighting and bickering in the last 10 minutes and I'm like just tell me what drama they're alluding to for the next episode um yeah but no that was that was really really sad to me and so many different Parts of that episode were heartbreaking. They talked about, you know, Uba and um, her family. And then also Aaron lost her grandmother. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of personal things in there. But then, you know, the episode is also like, it keeps moving and it's, and you are still entertained. So I thought they did a good job of it, but, you know, it was, it was sad. And for, for everyone on the show, you know, they're putting their best foot forward and they're dressed in the nines and they're smiling and they, bring the energy, but you just never, to me, I look at that and I say, that doesn't, you, you can't look at someone and, and assume that you know what they've gone through or what their life was like, or, oh, look at her. She's a real housewife of blah, blah, blah. Her life's probably perfect. And it's like, we all know, long-term viewers know, like, you know, everybody is, um, is there, is their own person with a whole, whole slew of, of, of things that we may never know about them. And then other people want to tell us everything about their life. So, you know, when you think about the world of Real Housewives itself and of of being a reality TV star in this kind of universe, the thing that I see a lot of on social media, certainly the last week is like housewives, reality TV people, whatever else, um, they don't deserve our empathy. Like they are, they are the kind of archetype and caricature that people still look at housewives as, and that's, that's fine. You can you can watch and enjoy and discuss the show however you fucking want. But it is interesting the ways that sometimes we're able to um, understand a person's humanity and then absolutely remove it depending on sometimes what works best for us, the viewer. And also you may just disagree, but the level of apathy that I see for people, not just this week, but like always is honestly interesting to me. Yeah. And I would also say too, like it's a case by case basis, right? So, I mean, certainly some, some housewives and just people on Bravo seem to relish in kind of a villain role. And so it makes it very difficult if you're going to do that to then turn back to the audience and say, Hey, except for this part, except for this part, I want you to see me uh, as someone that you, you know, don't just watch, watch to hate, but for the rest of it, I'm just going to be awful just for the sake of being awful. So I think that's a, a fine line for a lot of them and maybe something they don't think about before they decide to just get ratings. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, what I love about AG and about these conversations is that we're able to talk about behavior and our own interpretation and experiences. 
And so it's a different kind of conversation than exists in the Housewives, let alone reality TV universe. But also Housewives doesn't often provide space for that. Like you think it is, and sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's like the way that these shows are marketed aren't like, and look, an inside an inside view, because that might not get people to watch. The the archetype is the excess. And it's like, what's the other side to that? We saw that with Bryn. And while you said, you know, I don't love that she was pushed to talk about things she didn't want to. I didn't know if you meant by sigh or in her confessional with her producer or both. Um, kind of both, both. Um, honestly, I mean, I feel like Sai saw that she was. I noticed it, and I and I sometimes ask myself, am I? Are some people, including myself, more aware of social cues and of people's behavior and body language and facial expressions? And I can see that she's uncomfortable, and I'm picking up on that or whatever. And maybe other people just are not. Or is she going for it because she's like, no, we really should talk about this. Even if you do get emotional, don't be afraid to get emotional. There's a hundred ways that that could have been the motivations behind that, right? For me, I felt bad for her. And I totally get that. But the thing is, and this is where it's like, I don't think I'm removing any empathy from acknowledging the fact that Sai understood that the rest of the cast didn't know this information. I don't know the extent to which Sai understood it, as opposed to just saying, you know, I think you should open up and share. And the fact that they're filming a reality TV show and this was a themed dinner in honor of Bryn acknowledging that she has discussed having really difficult circumstances, but not being specific. And I felt for her in that moment. I really appreciated her in the confessional when she was like, I'm not going to talk about it. Absolutely not. And during her episode of Watch What Happens last night, she said, I, you know, uh, that she didn't watch that part of the episode. And so there is a boundary that a person can create. I would think the confessional is very difficult because it's not like there are other people around you. It's you, the producer, and you're going to have to expand. It's like they're going to cut down whatever you're saying, but you're going to be talking for several hours. And I could only imagine the kind of questions that would be posed to her that could be enormously triggering. And the side thing, I got it because it can come off as like a little flippant of like, tell the group. But also I understood that she might, in expressing vulnerability, she wasn't going to start a conversation by being like, oh, yeah, and guess what happened to me when I was younger, which could have happened. It could have been, you know, we have a sit down. Thank you so much. And I just want to share a little bit about why this is so meaningful to me. But it didn't happen that way. And so Sai was saying, but I get it. I, I understand that it, it felt flippant. Well, well what, what bothered me, too, was that they just sat down. I know. Beginning let, of the dinner. She took two sips of that Not drink. Even an appetizer. Let let me have let me have the turkey first. Let me have my Brinsgiving. Yeah. Let me get a little food in me. All the pleasantries, all the like. You're serve, totally la, right. La, 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 You're la, la, totally the, right. Take that from a ten down to like a five. Everyone's having a good, solid conversation now. We're fed. We've had some drinks and wine, and then in vino veritas, and we connect. It was like as soon as butts hit seats. Tell us about your. Tell us about your problem. Like. Uh, you are 100% right. It didn't, it felt rushed. It could have been a let's enjoy this experience together yeah. and maybe we talk about it on another day or maybe, you know, at the end of the night we have a glass of wine if people aren't shit-faced. 
after dessert. You're totally right. You're totally right. And it didn't happen that way. Um, but I wonder how Bryn, this is a question for Bryn and really nobody else. I wonder how Bryn felt as a result of sharing. Because you can feel a lot of different things at once. She could feel maybe free to have shared that information and hope or or say in the future, I don't want to talk about this again. Like you, you now know the thing that I didn't want to talk about or the thing that still brings with it a lot of upset. Mm-hmm. And I think that's completely understandable and something that many people can appreciate with circumstances they have experienced in their life. And also, you know, now they know. It's like this thing that I've been talking around that I haven't been specific about for understandable reasons, I've now shared. I've She's shared, you know, we don't know what else Bryn has experienced, what other challenges she's gone through, but she did share something that I don't know that we've ever heard on Housewives before. And I think it was obviously very upsetting to hear about her childhood, about the fact that her grandmother was her primary caregiver for herself and her two siblings, that her parents, her mom was a a teen mom. She said her dad was older. They got into some kind of quote unquote trouble, although it was more her father, which I assumed meant something having to do with addiction by her phrasing around it. And then said, you know, there were, there was, what's the phrase for it? I mean, abandonment, severe abandonment. She wasn't, her for a period of six days or whatever, her diaper wasn't changed. She wasn't held. I mean, that's, that's going to bother me forever. It's severe childhood neglect. It's severe yeah. childhood neglect, which is a form of, I, I would argue, abuse and certainly trauma. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, let them have dessert first would be my would be my feedback. <laughs> You're not, I mean, listen, again, it's a, it's a valid, important point of like, they're just sitting down and this woman has not been able to enjoy the fucking meal. And then it's like, oh yeah, do you want me to share, um, this, you know, absolutely uh, severe childhood trauma that I've experienced? You want me to talk about this before I've had my entree? Like it's it's a totally valid point. There was something I thought was interesting, which was in her confessional after when she's having the conversation with the producer and the producer's like, you know, talk to me or whatever. And she's like, no, absolutely not. It's not a today thing or whatever. And she said she wouldn't talk about the circumstance, but she would discuss the hurt, which Mm -hmm. to me was such an interesting point and one about boundaries that I thought was incredibly interesting. The emotional vulnerability that she would express was in discussing the hurt and also something else that she said, but not the specifics relating to the circumstance, which made so much sense to me. And also the fact that it wasn't that her parents didn't love her. It's that they like couldn't. They yeah, exactly. did not have the ability to care for her in the way she surely, surely deserved. She's she's amazing. I mean, she's very, you can tell she's thought about it. She's, it's something that she's definitely like looked back on. And it's not as though, I think for some people, you just shut the door and you never think about it. I mean, I know I have relatives like that where something, you know, horrible happened and they're like, we just don't talk about that. Um, and I think that for her, it's a completely different type of I, I don't dwell on the things that are pointless to dwell in. I see how how the circumstances came to be. It's still hurtful. 
it's still hurtful. And, you know, and to me, I had hope for the, for the Brins giving because, you know, Sarah was like, I feed people. I'm like, yeah, let me see the spread. But it's like, that's why to me it rubbed me. Cause I'm like, okay, well then feed people and make them feel at home and then get, then get to the, to the stuff. But either way, I, I loved the episode. I thought that, you know, Bryn was great. Um, she's a scene stealer you know, in, in everything, whenever she's on camera between her and, and Jenna, I don't know who I like more <clears throat> because Jenna was willing to own the, we are cackling hags. <laughs> Everybody else was like pretending to feign shock and, 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 you know, an insult over that. And she's like, we kind of are. So she's great. I mean, as a fellow cackling hag, I am an ally and member of the cackling hag community. And it mm-hmm. did give me uh, no small measure of delight to uh, hear them talking about cackling and also receive that, I guess, is like witchy. Did anyone ever use the phrase witchy or did we just perceive that because of the cackling? That was Uba. <clears throat> that was Uba looking it up to read to read the like dictionary definition. Also, you know, we have heard of and oftentimes purchased any number of housewife business merch be it oddly produced clothing or thing you know terrible fragrance or or not which I don't mean I'm not uh by any means referring to la dame but vicky's I gave friend of the pod og of the ag damian bellino victoria gumbelson's like it was like v for vicky or something her fragrance from long ago I found it on amazon you could smell it through the packaging it was horrifying so but also like was happy to buy it would buy it again because it's a joke uba's hot sauce as a hot sauce person i put you know i am trash i love tabasco i put tabasco on literally everything i want that hot sauce immediately i want it immediately i want it tomorrow get it try them all do a little taste test thing on instagram is she the first housewife whose company or wares have been Picked as an op- no, but picked as an Oprah favorite I think thing. So. Yeah, I I would be shocked if any other of the stuff, of the merch that's been created has been, <laughs> has been on a favorite things list. You know, the Oprah Winfrey was like Sheree. I would have loved to have your sweats. I would have loved to have the joggers on for Christmas. I would have loved to feature them, but they're just not avail, Sheree. They're just not avail. I could see Oprah, you know, wrangling herself into a Beverly Beach. Uh, you know, thong or something, and that being on the list. Um, As literally anyone would wrangle into a Beverly Beach. I don't think those swimsuits are made for wearing. I like when it's a front floss situation. I don't want to leave anything to the imagination. Like when I go to the kiddie pool, I'm like, look, this is where you came out of. Show some respect. Dorit's like, I don't want anyone to be you know, examining anything that could be difficult aside from my financial circumstances. <laughs> Like the only thing that should be left up to your imagination is my 1099 and what I do with that money at the end of the fiscal quarter. <laughs> this would be a really fun game. Like it, as, as we're all aging in the Bravo sphere, um, you know, s- testing our, our mental capacity and our memory. I would like to write in my will now that when the time comes to test me, I want people to test me with questions related to the Bravo sphere, like name all the merchandise. Because it's a real, it's a really challenging question. Um, somewhere there exists Andy's Girls merchandise that hasn't been updated in many, many years. Um, highly recommended for BravoCon. But there was a T-shirt. 
I'm remembering correctly, and I truly might be wrong, that had listed all of the companies at that point. Like, I think, I think so. I think it was like, you gotta find that. I know, which could be easy to find, but I just, who has the time, who has the patience for it? I know. And like, yeah, we'd have to cap it for some people. Cause like Bethany started sending skinny girl, just the cocktail. I'm not getting into the salad dressings. I'm not getting into the, whatever else she spun off and did dental floss. God knows. But like just the soul, the things that we saw on the show, stuff pushed on the show. I mean, arrogance is evergreen. So the number of times that she has reminded us that she's the most important person on the face of the planet is important and helpful for me to remember because I didn't the last 30 times that she told me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there has been some good. What do you think is the worst product that has been sold. And that can be because you dislike that person. That can be because the actual, it was a great concept, but the quality was terrible. Best and worst, or just worse. I mean, I didn't even know that Vicky had made a perfume until you told me. So that would be towards the lower tier. Um, Has anything caused anyone an illness? Can we think of that? Has that happened? Has there been a food product? Has there been, I mean, hot sauce is not, I'm not necessarily thinking that. I'm thinking of like back in the day, day, did anybody make? I mean, I don't think it created any illnesses and thank God for that. Um, Liability is as liability does. Uh, But Bethany had like skinny girl deli meats and stuff. I'm sure it tasted like deli meat. I don't know how you can go wrong with that. And then Shannon made food. Remember when Shannon, she might still be making the food for QVC, but there's been no issues with that. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to like first make a list and remember what they've all made. Because some of them keep it safe. Like remember when Ramona had Ageless, her whole beauty line? And I was like, someone tell me if somebody gets a rash or something, but I never heard anything about it. And then she made jewelry. True faith. I think my personal fave worst product, again, speaking of Bethany, hate to drag her a second time, but here we are. This is like the fourth time, but continue. She can take it. She can absolutely take it. The secret is she can't, (laughs) (laughs) but do it anyway, because this is a good life lesson for her. The secret is she like quite literally refuses to, and God bless. Several years ago, they, she decided Skinny Girl announced, which you can still find. There's only one spot where it is still, I think, available to see, which was an old, old, old Bravo TV blog because I looked for it the other day, was Skinny Girl Kids um, Bath and Body Lotion. Like, literally, she refused to change the name, so she kept Skinny Girl, and it was Skinny Girl Kids, like, shampoo, body wash, and I always thought it was, you know, and this is a joke, by the way, if Bethany's listening, but, like, for babies to develop body dysmorphia because like how start them early how literally dare you create a line for children and call it skinny girl kids it's so obviously abhorrent as like a marketing strat it's she couldn't do bethany bethany babies or something like bubbles by bethany i could do it all day you know what i'm saying we could do this all day and we could think of better names listen we could talk about the businesses forever but i do want to get back to the business of discussing uh new new york which is how i think of it um there was a fair amount of conversation about jessel jessel herself in 
uh, self-identifying as a roadrunner, at least from fleeing Aaron's house. And the way that Jenna discussed Jessel by saying she doesn't have a mean bone in her body. She's just trying too hard. This is my, my, my queen Jenna never, never disappoints with the humanity. You know what I mean? Sensible humanity across the board. Sensible humanity is my new favorite phrase. That is an excellent way to mention it all. I mean, is there a better way to say sensible humanity? Because you're, it's it's sensible, is what it is. It's humanity, but it's sensible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's not going to let anybody like start a a feud in front of her. That's just silliness. She'll just be the voice of reason, but in a nice, calm way. You know what I mean? She just comes in and she's like, "No, now I don't think Jessa met, met Jessel meant it that way." But my favorite quote of the whole show, may I? Please. Jessel's husband. Oh my god. You came off the wrong way, like you always kind of do sometimes. That sounds like a Britney Spears song. Always kind of do sometimes. I mean. He backed it. He said always kind of sometimes. I said, sir, say it with your whole chest. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. I, I really enjoy her husband. And I also enjoyed that moment where she's like, you're just cheap. You don't want to spend $40,000 a year in your child's pre-K. And it's like, number one, yes, because once you're in it, it you're a lifer. Like, you don't necessarily start a, a kid at yeah. one of those extremely expensive schools and then be like, OK, we're done at like sixth grade. Like, it's, it is an enormous financial sacrifice. I don't care right. how much money you have. That shit is pricey AF. But for her to be like, this is so dumb, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. Uh, for her to be like, you know, like the the parent teacher night or the welcoming or the orientation, the walkthrough, whatever the fuck it was, open house for children's primary, whatever. She's like, it was so nice. They had a charcuterie platter. I, yeah, and I, I knew you were like, going to say it. That's exactly what I was going to point out, too. <laughs> Come on, ma'am. It's not a dress. It's not like you're going into a boutique and you're like, oh, they served as champs. It's your child's education, which like she's. How many people would want? I don't. I don't have kids. Like I, I can't imagine the difference between having a charcuterie platter while discussing pre-K and not having a charcuterie platter for dis while discussing pre-K. Like I, I don't know the difference. Like apologies on my ignorance about how charcuterie education works, but fuck. I will speak on behalf of of the the type of mom I represent. Okay, that's all I can speak on behalf of. All right. I have options around me where I could pay 40 grand to send a very small person to a place where they will learn to color um, and make friends and learn to read and things like that. I choose not to do that. I choose public school because I'm a product of public school. My husband's a product of public school. Public schools are great. There's a slight war against public schools right now. And you know, if something happens when they're older and there's like a, a technology or a drama high school that makes sense, okay, all right, we'll we'll check that out. But to me, basic primary stuff, I wouldn't be looking for it. Having said that, what I am not is a resident of New York City. I don't know how any of the schools work there or what happens with that. But if it's if it's plainly charcuterie versus non and just maybe some some basic snacks like somebody popped the top off of a little thing of crackers and cheese i don't think it matters is my verdict 
And public school education in New York is like rife for animus from people on all sides. So I'm not going to speak to whether or not, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, like whatever you think is going to help your child the most that you can make happen, which includes people like moving to different neighborhoods. If the public school system in that neighborhood is um, the right place for their kid, like whatever you need to do it's so outside of my reality I can't even tell you I did once nanny three kids who all went to different schools a combination of private public and specialized because of what you know the child the child's needs were almost at the forefront you know so that's great it's great that their parents could do it totally and I think that's also it becomes a matter of access, but because I don't have kids and like, I don't know enough about public education. I just thought the fact that she was talking about the charcuterie was like such a fun moment for me to watch her. It was fun. It was fun. And the thing about it too, is like, that can be such a heavy topic to talk about like what schools and things like that. But in the moment for them, it seemed like they were weighing options between a bunch of different private school options. And one was just the leader because Famous people's kids went there and they had snacks. They had snacks that were on par. So that was amusing. The thing that I always love, this is like so unrelated, is that Sarah Jessica Parker always made a point of talking about how her kids went to public school. Now, their public school system in the West Village, I, you know, I'm sure, you know, they had a, a nice experience there. But, you know, when you're talking about like famous kids, that can be a selling point. Some of these private schools are like, hint, hint, do you know who else goes here? That oh, absolutely sure. happens. But I mean, I remember, you know, when I nannied for a very, very different experience, very, very different circumstances. And like, I was, you know, near Matt Damon waiting for his kids. I mean, it's like, it's just the vibe, the air in the room kind of changes. But like, I, do I think Jessel is going to send her kids somewhere because there's like a celebrity or a highbrow, whomever? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what's going to work for their family. And it sounds like Jessel and her husband are still trying to figure that out. But the Jenna of it all, when it comes to trying too hard, I thought that was an interesting point, but I don't know that I agree with it. I wrote that down too. And it- Okay, I think this is my theory right now for a lot of these women. I think that they are projecting and that they are intimidated by Jenna for their own reasons. And so in their mind, they're saying, oh, Jenna's judgy. She's going to judge me when she comes over to my house. Oh, Jenna's this. Oh, Jenna's that. I have seen nothing but kindness and a person who tries hard to smooth over any moments of awkwardness and tries to be very accommodating to everyone. I have not seen any diva behavior. I mean, again, the season is young. I'm not putting a verdict in the sand forever. We know how Housewives goes, but to me, it seems like a lot of projection. I agree on the projection, but I also think there can be an inherent performance. Like, the ways that one person values something over the other to me doesn't have anything to do with Jenna. To me, it's like Jessel and her husband are coming to this conversation that I would assume in relationships can be rife with a lot of tension. People have different views of how to parent their children and to figure out how to find middle ground, I would, again, assume is incredibly difficult. 
some of this stuff is like, I don't think that it has anything to do with Jenna. I think that some of what we're watching, some of what we're watching could be performative or elevated rather is probably the better word, elevated for TV. But some of it I just think is inherently performative of like, these are the things that to me feels like a little bit of a performance of like, this is the kind of person I want to come across as. But also that might be how they're behaving in real life because they're trying to convince themselves of that, which to me, I think that's what it is. The Jenna stuff is separate from that. Yeah, that's what I feel with Jessel for sure. Like, I, I mean, and when she walked in, when she walked into the Bryn's giving, a couple of different things she said, it was just kind of, I don't know. Well, what did you think about that moment with Erin and her grandmother? I forget, to be honest, what Jessel said, but it was like, you know, I, I something along the lines of like, you know, I hope it was a good day or I hope it, it went okay or something that took Erin aback. Yeah, and it just seemed like she was coming in, she was high in her, she was trying to make conversation, and she probably just wasn't expecting someone to say, I actually just went to my grandmother's funeral, and that pivot, she couldn't make that turn. You know, it was still in niceties land, instead of being able to stop and, and really connect, because I don't think that's Jessel's strong suit anyway. And so, yeah, it came off as, as flippant and awkward. You know what? Such a good point. And how many of us, when changing gears, I am very guilty of that, where I'm like, I don't know how to get out of this conversation. And sometimes that conversation is like stuff that I'm saying, where I'm like, I need to get out of the sunken place with this. Like, how do I shift gear? That happens on AG all the time. It's like, how do I shift? How do I pivot? And just yell shifting gears. I mean, I just need a Ross Geller style yell pivot. Yeah. and move that fucking couch also known as my brain down a goddamn flight of stairs like I just it can be difficult but then I think of what Jenna said where she's like she doesn't you know mean anything she's just trying too hard and it's like again I get it but I also think as you said she's flippant and some of that can be social awkwardness but some of that can just be like I'm just not thinking what I'm saying aloof aloof mm-hmm. do we like aloof how do we feel about aloof? For Jessel, I do. I think for her, she's thinking about her own stuff a lot mm. and not the other person. Paris is always a good idea. And when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luan? And while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. 
That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorenda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T H E 
O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com with promo code Andy. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDYSGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. You know, I I really can't say enough how interesting I think this season is. I know people are like saying it's like the second coming of Christ and God bless, but I just, not to say it's not that, I mean, many episodes to go and we're almost at Christmas, but I, I just find it so interesting. Like Jessel to me is so interesting. And I wonder how much of that curiosity is based on like who Jessel is versus me just being so fucking intrigued by talking about her. Like, is she worth, you know, the, the Jessel that's being presented? I don't know that I would say 
sure she's an interesting person, but there's something else there, which is just like my own curiosity in hearing other people talk about Jessel. Okay, so here's, I mean, I think it's not wild to say, to me, she is so far in the show, the cast member who I think is trying to show us one thing, but we're seeing something else, right? So she wants to be like, you know, super stylish and I'm missing that. And Jenna's like, don't put that bag with that coat. That, like, it's just, she wants it so bad to be, I don't know. I it and yet and yet I'm like I don't really think that is is truly who you are. Like just be you. So, it will be an interesting journey for her, I think. But what if that is again, it's the difference between being performative for TV and just having a personality where you are I really don't want to use the word projection specific to this, but like you're just performing that you are this person. Like mm. you're performing that you are Lauren Santo Domingo. Like you are performing that you are an era of Tinsley Mortimer. Not that those are specific instances that she's thinking about, but they certainly are ones that I'm thinking about in talking about a certain upper echelon of New York City. And it's like how much of that is something that she's doing for cameras to me I, mm. I I really don't know to me it doesn't feel like that it feels like something that she is trying to do or something that she does in real life I don't know how much of a difference there is between the Jessel that we are seeing on TV versus the one IRL noting also not to make this more complicated but welcome that if next season I hope all these fucking people are back because I'm obsessed with them next season if we see her feeling more grounded I don't know and maybe it's from watching herself on TV I don't know that that's because this season was a performance for the cameras I think people can change with time and sometimes having like the blast of cold air that is watching yourself on Housewives yeah. can make a person look at themselves differently but again I don't even think that if we saw what I would perceive as a more grounded Jessel next season that that means this season was not truly her that's interesting sarah because i have been watching it thinking oh you know she's probably just not got her sea legs for this whole bravo thing and she's coming in and she might just be like anxious and trying very hard because i'm gonna be on camera with jenna lyons and like maybe it's just all too much but you're bringing me something i hadn't considered which is that's just who she is i hadn't even thought about that honestly and also she could be doing it she could be doing it because how fucking weird is it to be a seemingly private person you know you might have an instagram whatever else and then all of a sudden you have camera crews following you around and you know exactly the kind of show that you are on maybe not what this show will be like with you on it but yeah. certainly the idea of housewives that can make a person feel like okay i need to you know Dial it up. Let me, let me, blah, blah, blah. A hundred percent that could be a part of it, but I don't think it's only that. Here's the thing. Instead of it being either or, which is what I was just doing three seconds ago, I think it's maybe both. I think it's a combination of both. Yeah, and only time will reveal it, right? I mean, we only get to really know Housewives after a few seasons. Um, some of them we never see again, and that's fine. And that's fine, because sometimes we learn enough. But... Yeah, it will be interesting because one of the, to me, most fascinating things is to see how a housewife alters their behavior after a season or two. Does anyone come to mind for you specifically? Oh, yeah. Tons of people come to mind. Um, let's use, let's do Camille. Remember she got like, she kind of got like a PR person 
after she she was too mean people hated her and they were like mm. saying mean things about her all the time and she would go and watch what happens live and and annie would be like people always have mean things to say about you and then she became very measured and reserved with what she said and in a way it's a loss right because you're not getting to see the raw camille anymore the camille that was like had the psychic at the table and really thought she was like creme de la creme and everybody was going to be on her side when we all watched the show that person is gone and now you've got a representative i mean camille making jokes about fucking kelsey we'll never get that back we'll never get that i loved it i mean the the going from andy saying you know like us magazine said like you're the most hated housewife in america what's your reaction and there's like a camp like how do you nobody deserves that honestly like it's well i mean if you earn it (laughs) yeah that's true but it's just like it's so awkward it's like what's your reaction what's your reaction to being hated by an entire nation i mean i guess you could ask tom sandoval and he would have some thoughts camille nobody likes you thoughts yeah andy's shady for that (laughs) i could never do it i could never do it i could be like no so, you know, this tabloid or, or, or weekly mag or, or website or whatever it happens to be, blog, whatever, is saying that everyone hates you. I mean, just to even say that before, like, what's your, it's tough. I mean, the, I haven't watched Watch What Happens Live live in a long time because now I have Zish children. But mm. before, in the single days, in the, in the no child days, I would watch it live. And remember, they had the shady boots and then they had like the shady leprechaun. Mm-hmm. They're always coming in with these like questions that honestly, if you think about them could just bring someone to their knees, you know, but you got to just be light with it on Watch What Happens Live. And Camille has done, you know, she's had story arcs. She's come back. Mm-hmm. Remember when she lost it at the reunion, she ripped off the mic and ran off stage, was taking her top off to do it. I mean, there we've, we've seen the real Camille again, but it's that, it's that moment when you know that they know that they've watched themselves and they're making different choices now. I wonder what the vibe will be at the New York reunion. Because again, we are watching history take place. We're seeing this total reboot of the franchise. How are they going to react at the reunion? And are some of these women going to try to position themselves as archetypes? Like who's going to be inspired by reunions past? I think it would likely be clear. See, that's why I think people are liking Jenna, though, because it doesn't seem like she is subject to any of that. She's just going to be her. And I I really do think that there is an empty spot for that in the Bravo universe of people just being themselves. Nobody was trying to start any crap back in the day of, of OG reunions that we all know and love. They were not trying. They were just being themselves and dealing with things. And they were mad when they were mad or sad when they were sad. So I hope that the answer is nobody when it comes to who's going to try to, you know, be an archetype or something. Also, is it okay that there is a housewife who you might love for being an anti-housewife or doing the like, yes, girl, give us nothing, when that might lead to a reunion that might be slightly awkward when focusing on them? Like the thing that we love about Jenna is that she does seem fully herself brings with her enormous cachet 
and doesn't necessarily either feel comfortable or feel like she needs to fit within a universe that she just simply might not, which is why we love she's not the person who's going to be potentially aggressive, shouting at people in scenes. We're not going to see the kind of Bluestone Manor Mishigas with Jenna at the forefront of that. We don't know. We haven't seen the other episodes, so we don't know what could happen, but it doesn't seem that way. No. I mean, she told me that she felt that she was a dud this season. And it's, I wonder how the reaction to the first couple weeks, um, I wonder what her reaction is to the first several weeks of almost nearly universal delight for her on Housewives, noting that the trailer for next week featured, I guess, the cast talking about the fact that like she said she couldn't come to an event or something because she was decorating her tree and she was really throwing a party like I think this is where the split might deepen now yeah. the idea that okay well if we were projecting who Jenna was the last couple of weeks it certainly feels like these are examples of behavior that fit within our prior narrative all right yeah I mean we'll see how it goes I think she's always going to be a target no matter what she does, if she's kind to everyone like she has been and shows up on time and is polite and eats the caviar, she'll still be a target. You know, it, it doesn't matter whatever she does. So I, I would I think that the best thing she can do is just do what she wants to do. Go home when she wants a good night's sleep. Like, just just be yourself, because no matter what, they're they're dying to say Jenna Lyons doesn't have the right style. Jenna Lyons is judgy. She's this. She's that. So. Do you think that she might, if she comes back next season, first off, do you think that she will return next season? And also, do you think that she would come back potentially affected by, uh, you know, seemingly so far very, very early on being pretty popular among the... No, and I think that's what people enjoy about her is that whatever popularity she gets off of Real Housewives, she's had success and popularity in her own professional life previously and it has not turned her into a monster that we can tell, right? And I always say hashtag that we can tell or asterisk that we can tell because you never know something might come out, you know, five years from now or something that she was stuff that we didn't know. But for right now, she's a lovely person. And what we can tell, she doesn't seem to be someone that would fall victim to like the big head uh, disease that some housewives can get if they're popular on the show. Who do you think is most susceptible to that on New New York? On New New York? Oh. I mean, I would hope not. I would hope not the ones that, like in a bad way. Might be bad for them, but great for us. I mean, just from what just from what we've seen so far, it does seem like Jessel would very much enjoy it if people thought she was the bee's knees. That also is like, I wish there had been some sort of diary or journal or like self-tape thing, maybe in future reboots, God forbid, that we get some sort of like night before the first night of shooting of like, dear diary, this is the way, this is how I think this is going to go, and this is how I think this is going to perceive, be perceived. And maybe... And put it in a time capsule, and then we open it like two years later. That'd be great. Put it in a time capsule and open it after reunion, after episodes rather start to air. Mm-hmm. And be like, do I still feel this way? And then after the reunion at the end of the cycle, do I feel that I got from this what I thought I was going to focusing on the way that I am perceived? 
Yeah, and you know, they used to write blogs. You remember that when the housewives all wrote mm -hmm. blogs and put it on bravotv.com? Yeah, that was really interesting. And then people started writing the blogs, trying to get the most clicks. And so the blogs started to turn into like, you know, bitch sessions and whatever. And they kind of went downhill from there. But that would be interesting. I don't know. And maybe, maybe one day they'll show us like audition tapes or behind the scenes footage. I feel like Bravo could, without having to keep starting other franchises, could at the end of a season show us just like so much stuff that they don't. I mean, they give us these little like hidden moments. I'm talking about like talking to producers type stuff, mic'd up, stuff we didn't hear. That would be interesting. I would love a Secrets Revealed panel at BravoCon, which P.S. I still don't know that I'm actually going to attend. I'm trying to figure that out financially. I forgot that that's happening, yeah. I, the amount of money that it is going to, I really needed I know. to it, yeah. feel more grateful when it was in New York, because this is going to be enormously expensive if I'm able to afford it, which I, I just don't know. Yeah, it's going to be shockingly expensive. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't think about that right now. I can't either. But just to say that that would be an interesting panel at BravoCon, as would some sort of panel of showing a housewife's audition tape and then having them participate in a panel, like a couple different housewives of talking maybe from different generations of housewives, someone who's been with the with, with the brand, for lack of a better term, for a decade, someone who's brand new, yeah. and just say, like, this is, you know, what I thought was going to happen. This is the way that I viewed myself, and here's how it's changed over the years or months. Yeah. Um, it could be kind of interesting. What's your overall feeling? I feel like this is a New York-focused episode. We don't have time to get into Orange County, so I'm just holding that as bait for you to come back ASAP because there's a fucking ton going on with Orange County. Oh, yeah. I'm all caught up on Orange County. Okay. So you're going to come on ASAP. We'll talk about that offline, but I'm like going to get you on the Google Cal in 10 minutes. We're just going to start recording another app. Um, what's your um, overall vibe about New York generations you know, old and new. Do you feel that you miss some of the plot or um, personality from the prior franchise or are you just feeling fully satiated? You know, what really su has surprised me and I actually had the organic thought while I was watching this episode mm -hmm. was that it's refreshing to have this new crew and this new vibe. And I thought to myself as I'm watching it, how would you ever do this? You'd have to get down to maybe one or two of the OGs with an all new cast. And that's happened certainly on other other franchises where you look around and you say, oh, only one of these women was part of the original or something like that. But that takes a long time to sort of figure out the vibe and well, how will this personality work with that personality? And it can have problems because the OGs see themselves as, you know, the queen bee, as we were saying. And so then they can be like, no, this is my show and who's going to film with me and we should do everything at my house and blah, blah, blah. And so I think it's, it's kind of interesting that they just started fresh because that iconic original New York cast, it's, it's so into our minds that I don't think there's any way to have one of those OG women in that room and not have it be a completely different feel. Yeah, that was part of my um, 
coming to terms with the reboot happening was like, well, maybe we'll just get through this season and then skipping ahead next season can be more of a Miami mix. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want that at all. I want it would bring down the vibe. And also these women have different goals in mind. The goals for New York the last two seasons were so tough to watch and so based on like angry drunkenness that it was hard to get out of, but it just left me feeling a sense of like, oh, it would, it just felt kind of sad to watch at points because there wasn't even really a discussion that could be had among some of the cast members thinking of one in particular, like how do you, you know, we can't, I need both sides of the coin on that. Like if you're going to react in a certain way consistently, ideally there's a conversation about what's actually going on. And when you remove that possibility, then it's like, okay, well then what's the point of this? Because we can talk about resolution, maybe being a goal of reunions, but often the goal or reality is closer to recognition. Like I might, uh, yeah, I'm going to pretend to like, say that I want to change my behavior or I'm really going to mean it, but at least we get to discuss it. It just felt like New York was in such a place of denial um, that there's something to, there's something really nice about just really existing in an entirely new environment with different people who might have been swallowed whole on old New York who wouldn't have been appreciated because of that different vibe. Yeah. And there's no way, I don't think it's fair to a new housewife and we've all seen it who comes in and they've got to not only make a name for themselves on the show, but break into this click that has been going and going and going for so long. And the odds of that are pretty low. And if the click doesn't want to film with you or doesn't like you, you know, it's, it's, it's a tougher climb and it's hard enough to just come onto a show and, and be yourself. So and again, New York was, you know, in its heyday, um, a great show and amazing, but there's so much that has happened, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that it's really nice to just start fresh with a whole new group of women. Yeah. And the reality is many people, when confronted with behavior that, you know, or any kind of like constructive criticism around their behavior, that you just continue the pattern, that patterns are set for a reason. And without getting into some of the nitty gritty, or even when you do, those patterns might continue to exist. And there's just a kind of openness, just even in the knowledge that we so have no idea how what's going to happen for the rest of the season that like there are things that I hope we get to see. Like I would love to see Bryn dating. Like we're having these conversations around like, you know, her being flirty with like the chef, which I thought Mm -hmm. was so hilarious the way that she literally when as soon as uh, she was told he was married, she like fully walked away from him, which was such she has such a great sense of comic timing. And I do think (laughs) that's who she is, too, which I love. But like getting more of an idea of these women outside of the universe of filming as a set and more like, okay, one on ones while shopping, one on ones going to lunch, like getting more of that. I think we will. And I'm really excited to see it. Is there something that you're particularly interested in or hoping to see? Mm, I mean, I, I, I'm loving Jenna and Bryn, so I want to see more of them. Um, I, I enjoy seeing what the, what the women do for a living. I'm always interested in that. And like, what's your normal day? Like, where's your office? What do you do when you go there? And, 
you know, when I say that, it reminds me so much of like those dumb office scenes from Salt Lake City when Jen Shaw took us into her office member and she was like hula hooping. And I was like, something ain't right here. That's not a normal work day. Little did we know. So yeah, show me your office and what you do there. (laughs) If only that was all that she was doing. I think many, many people, including her many, many victims, uh, would be in a better place. Listen, I could talk to you about Housewives in New York all day long. Can I just end on one final question, even though I know, I think I know the answer. Who's the current apple of your eye? Oh, I'm going to go with Miss Jenna Lyons. And I'm going to say... Um, I know that I, I said a long time ago, it was like my big speech to myself, never fall in love with a housewife. Don't do it. You're going to get hurt. It's a bad idea. We don't do that. We watch from afar. We don't get caught up. We don't DM. We don't do any of that. It is a bad idea. And so I'm not breaking that, but I will say, I like her a lot, like her a lot. And we'll see what happens. I really, I think it's like a six-way tie a little bit with me because it's like, I don't necessarily think of Uba first, but also mm-hmm. every time that I'm in a, that I'm in a scene with her, LOL, every time that I'm watching her and the way that she talked about her mother. I mean, she's deep. And I think a lot of these women, like you're saying, we haven't even cracked the surface, really. We haven't even gotten to see what, what makes them so great and why they were cast and what did the producers see. You know? Yeah. And the vulnerability that she shared, not only in discussing the loss of her mom and the grief that she still feels, but also a sense of possible imposter syndrome when it comes to expanding her company and seeking investments and like understanding that that's not like that she's receiving a favor, that like she's actually providing genuine, specific value, I think is. Sure, that's in a larger scale when it comes to owning your own business and producing product and going through her third or fourth round of production and everything else. Like that's maybe on a grander scale, but the micro of that of like, are am, do I understand that my gifts are deserved? Like, do I understand that I am providing a value? Do I understand that? When it comes to like, do people like me? Do you like yourself? Like, do you understand? your own success and your own value. I think that is something that many, many people can certainly appreciate. Yeah. And that's exactly what I want to see. I want to see like, what are their passions and what are they working on? And if I think about some of the most successful housewives, they are housewives that we felt like they were taking us along on a real journey, not on some fake BS, but on a real journey. And we're rooting for this person and we you know can sometimes help them by purchasing something if we want it hot sauce whatever it is and so i think that that could be a, a great great thing for her and i love seeing people who are branching out and trying to show you their passions in other ways so she's a model right and so for most of her life it's been about her appearance and whatever but hey i like hot sauce i love that let's let's talk about that I mean, let's not put all your eggs in one basket of modeling. Like, that's why I think, um, you know, and then Jenna too. Jenna's got the eyelashes, which I haven't really checked out. Um, what is, does Bryn have anything that she is working on? I can't remember right now. No, I think she's her Instagram bio, because I was looking at it yesterday. Is like she's like in marketing or, or communications, branding. Okay. See, I haven't researched any of them. I'm along for the ride. 
And I like to do it that way, just to let the show inform me. So I don't know what everybody's kind of side hustle is at the moment. Yeah, I think that's going to be another part of it. But certainly in New York, and especially this franchise where there has been such a focus on um, women working and the understanding of just like existing and surviving in New York and having a part of that energy applied to getting ahead um, and being sort of self-starters or attempting to be self-sufficient is powerful. And so I'm excited to see more of that. And, you know, kudos to the cast, because again, this this week was there was a lot of vulnerability. I really, really, again, for Bryn, I just it's like I could cry right now. I just think that the grief that she showed and the, um, you know, the vulnerability that she shared, I just think, how do you not connect with that? I mean, you don't have to have experienced what she did to understand and appreciate and respect her feelings about it. I just really have a lot of empathy for her after this. And also like, to sort of end the episode how we began her ability to come out of her childhood obviously still connected to what happened but be such a light shows the strength that she has and i think that's so unbelievably admirable part of being strong is opening up in the way that she did and i just was really amazed by her this week i really just I mean, it just was incredibly powerful. She is incredibly powerful. Yeah, she really is. I think she's a a wonderful addition. And again, to me, before this episode of even understanding her background more, she was just such a burst of light and so wonderful. And then there are cast members, we won't name them because we're piled on too much, but who just complain and kind of see the glasses half empty situation. And so, you know, for people who choose who choose the brighter, lighter, half full path. Um, I always appreciate that. And those are usually, usually deep people. And so I enjoy Bryn. Well, and also not to devil's advocate, not to call Jessel the devil, but there is something to be said for understanding what's behind some of that. The way that a person might be saying, I look like a Christmas tree. I look like a Christmas tree. While certainly insensitive or, you know, obviously not appreciating the fact that this was a gift and one presented uh, or procured by one of Jenna's friends. Oh, yeah. Friends, oh, yeah. No, I wasn't even talking level. about that. Oh, I wasn't what? talking about that because just a, she complained about just a bunch of other random stuff. But yeah, the, the negligee, I mean, she's going through her own thing, I think. Right. That's the thing is that like the the opportunity for housewives and having these conversations is certainly to say like, ooh, that behavior wasn't great. But also let's, you know, create a little bit of space here and kind of examine and observe what this person is sharing about her experience after, um, you know, giving birth and also the ways that her cast members' reactions and responses um, could have included a little bit more grace. Like, I think that that's that's the kind of fascinating part of this is like if someone comes across as a little bit of a difficult personality type or someone whose behavior might be confusing, the opportunity here is like regardless of whether they examine themselves, we have the opportunity to discuss our own thinking, which I think is, you know, fascinating. Yeah, and I can't tell how old her kids are. They look like they're maybe a year. Did she say how old they were? 
for twins? I think she said, a, I think she said around a year. Yeah. Around a year, think. 18 months. They look like they're like maybe walking, crawling. I can't even remember right now. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, I did not leave my house for like two years. And so I cannot fathom going on a show. I mean, I, for anybody who's listening, I'm sure you do have people who listen to your show who have been through like postpartum. And even if you haven't been through that, just your body after you give birth, your mindset, the stresses of, you know, you, the children needing you in, in critical ways. And then just having to give so much, I cannot imagine also going on a show. So she gets all the grace in the world from me for sure. Um, you can, I mean, to me, I can still point out and be like, hey, that was rude, but also she's going through some stuff. And so I think it's really nice that you know, Jenna didn't confront her and, and make it a big thing. She just sort of said, I hope she sees that what she's saying is rude. So um, I do enjoy that because I think in, in other seasons or other shows or with different cast members, it might not have gone that way. Yeah, I think that's one of the many reasons why um, I think there's an appreciation for what we're seeing because you might not agree with or understand a person's behavior, but what is helpful is to hear another perspective. And that's kind of all we can ask for or hope for at the end of the day. Listen, we talked all New York, a full episode devoted to New York, which I'm going to pretend was entirely strategic to get you back on stat to talk about Orange County because Orange County is heaven sent. It is my my like literal goat right now. I, I just, know you love Shannon. I fucking Shannon, but like I love when she does dumb shit. Like I can't get enough of it. So you are coming back on ASAP. I would be thrilled and so happy to have you. In the meantime, where can AGs follow you on social? See your dip, deep dives, watch you recap these episodes and so much more. So I'm I'm on Instagram and TikTok as Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo. Um, and I think that's it right now because X is, yeah, X is going to X and, um, you know, Twitter, Twitter is turned into X now is what I'm saying. Mm. And I don't mess with that anymore. And, um, you know, YouTube, I put a dive up there and people were like, it was too long. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, I gotta be me. I gotta shine my light. And if it's a 90 minute dive, damn it, it's going to be a 90 minute dive. So I haven't put another one up there in a while, but I have a list of dives that are going to have to wait. For the school season to start because I'm run ragged. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling little slip and slides out. I've barely got anything left. So that's what I'm doing. Well, I'm so thankful that you gave us more than a little bit on this episode. Guys, I have a new piece up for the Daily Beast. Can you believe yet another deep dive of all things Jill's Aaron luxury lunch, but a, a true inside look? at my survival at that event and uh, conversation that I had with Jill. I'll link to that in the show notes for this episode. You can follow me on Instagram and threads at Dame Gavley. And of course, join the Andy's Girls Patreon, number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. I would love to do a Satchel Spectacular this week, which includes your Satchels of Gold, Thoughts and Feels, Questions and Concerns, named in honor of Her Holiness, Kelly Clorn Ben Simone from Scary Island, and Pia Scary Island did come up in that Daily Beast piece. And so please direct message me on Patreon or Instagram and let me know your thoughts and feels and about this unionization of it all. I got a lot of people sharing their thoughts and feels. I'm really, really excited to deep dive those on an upcoming Patreon app. So patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. BBDB, thanks so much for coming back. Appreciate you. So fun. Appreciate you. All right, guys. Thanks for listening and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye.